0: horses are at the gate and they're off welcome to winning ponies with the weekend coming up this is the spot to be for news handicapping and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today now here's your host john Inglehart, racing's regular guy
1: all right well welcome back to another edition of winning ponies I'm John Engelhart, and I am very, very happy that you joined us once again. Remind you, remind your friends, if uh, you like the show or if they missed it, tell them they can go to winningponies.com and pull these bad boys down anytime they want. All right. Uh, two guests for you. Both of them have been with us before. Uh, Jonathan... Littner is the editor of horse racing nation and I, I told you I'm sure the last time he was on it's it's really a it, 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 it's a great site it's, uh, it's like so many things on the internet it is free and uh, it uh, is is chock full of news and really keep things updated. I mean, sometimes you know, they'll come out twice a day with uh, breaking news. So going to talk about uh, Jonathan and what it's like trying to keep up with everything these days and see what stories he found most interesting and races he finds interesting coming up this weekend. And then my main man, Ed Meyer. He's back to work right now. Well, he worked all winter long as a racing official in Northern Kentucky, but he's back to work as an announcer now. And I want to talk to Ed a little bit about, uh, is it kind of Twilight Zone-esque uh, up in his uh, his booth? I, I know there's one advantage for the announcers because Pete Aiello told me the same thing down at Gulfstream. He's like, hey, nobody can come in here and bother me because we're all so st- supposed to be isolated. And uh, so, anyway, I just want to get Ed's read on, on how it is. I know that uh, where he's calling right now at Belterra Park, they had their third best all sources handle ever. We're talking about Derby Days and everything today. And uh, while I do not believe they let spectators in yet, um, still people are betting online, and the money was coming in from all sources. And again, their their third best day ever. So we'll talk a little bit about that, and of course. Going to assign Ed some work to do, and that is to break down some of the bigger races. It's not like last week where we had a we had a slew of them uh, to look at, uh, but uh, we're going to start the card off uh, with a 125,000 stake tomorrow. Uh, it's 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 for New York breads, but as I've said in the past, fans, it does not matter where you go. Uh, we got New York breads that have won the Kentucky Derby, and right now we got a New York bred, Tis the Law, who's still figured to be the favorite, in the Kentucky Derby, as things continue to change on that front on almost a day-to-day basis. But the commentator is the race, and it's a, a very evenly matched group. Uh, it, it is a one-mile event. Uh, Mr. Buff. Looks like uh, the Big Apple bred uh, to beat. Now, he's a six-year-old, been around, been there, done that, but he's also won a million dollars, likes Belmont, 12 starts, 4 wins, and is coming off, now this was at Aqueduct, a state-bred stakes, the Haynes Field, and won by 20 lengths. It was a small field, but... 20 lengths is 20 lengths, so I'm going to see if uh, Mr. Buff is uh, beatable in this race, according to my friend Ed. And then uh, the only grade one that I was able to find out there that's going to take place in North America uh, this weekend is uh, the Ogden Phipps, <coughs> excuse me, folks, uh, a grade one race. And uh, right now, it looks like it's coming down to three horses. Uh, Point of Honor, who uh, just had a terrible start in the asshole, (laughs) Apple Blossom Handicap. Say that three times real fast. Uh, The son of Curlin uh, rallied to get up for third, but was 23 lengths out of it. Early in the race. Another horse that's getting a lot of attention. Coming out of the Apple Blossom. Is Ollie's Candy. Who ended up uh, finishing second. When she was caught by CC. uh, By a head. And he was two and a quarter lengths ahead. Of Point of Honor. Uh, You've got to give some credit to Golden Reward. A ward uh, just missed in the Royal Delta. <laughs> Excuse me, somewhere along the line, a frog made his way into my throat. And then uh, we, we've got a marathon of s- sorts uh, the Louisville, a grade three event at Churchill Downs, of course, a race named. The Louisville should be uh, there and Arklow is going to be in this race. 1.8 million likes to come off the pace. He's not going to be able to, uh, to get in any trouble, but I'll tell you who's uh, had the closest calls with him was Florent Jaru, and uh, he hasn't ridden the horse for its last three starts. He's back in the saddle for trainer Brad Cox. Again, We'll be calling out uh, our man Ed Meyer to help us with those races. Also, if you're looking for something north of the border, there's two really good races up at Woodbine on Saturday: the $100,000 Woodstock and the $100,000 Star Shoot. The uh, Woodstock is an open race, whereas the Star Shoot is strictly for Canuck breads. All right, that's what's coming up on the card. A look at some of the uh, the stories of the week. Well, no surprise here Money Mike gets foundationdetox.com jockey of the week honors, and we'll be rattling off uh, the wins that he had uh, at the great race place, Santa Anita. Over the weekend, that was really a fun card to watch. It was a beautiful day outside, but I'm sorry I had to stay inside and watch these races. Um, Smith finished the week maintaining a 44% win percentage and was in the money 67% of the time. Four wins, two third-place finishes. His earnings for the week, 544000 Now, this year alone... From 83 starts, he's won seventeen for earnings of 1.7 million. He's won 5573 of his lifetime career amounts with earnings exceeding, check this number out, 329 million. Well, getting our releases from Kentucky Downs. They're keeping Jenny Reese in business. Whew. Kentucky Downs meet 16 stakes over six days, and they're going to equal 12 million. And you're getting tired of me saying it every year, but I have to. They gotta go to Kentucky Downs. Uh, you can go stay and have fun in Nashville and stuff. It's, it's right there on the border of uh, Southern Kentucky and Tennessee. You could probably throw a softball uh, from the track and uh, hit hit the border and into Tennessee. Franklin, Kentucky it's called. Uh, but uh, they've added a sixth day of racing, which I thought was long overdue Uh well, they're going to be offering uh, all this twelve million dollars. Now, <clears throat> here are the dates. It'll be after Labor Day weekend. We'll start, uh, which will be September seventh. Then a little break, and then the ninth, tenth, little break, twelfth and thirteenth, bigger break, three days. Back on the sixteenth, and uh, you know, if you get a horse who you thinks good enough to run that European-style grass course, the nominations are free. Now, the signature card will be the 12th. It's going to showcase four graded stakes races and five stakes races overall, headlined by the $1,000,000 Calumet Farm Kentucky Turf Cup. And then the $700,000 Run Happy Spring. Uh, that is a six furlong race, uh, and it's a Breeders' Cup Challenge Series race. And uh, new to the stake schedules, the $400,000 Music City. Could that be to draw people up from Nashville? Be interesting to see who's given out the trophy in, in that one. And uh, they also gave out $150,000 purse increases to a pair of existing three year old stakes. Um, and on its ongoing effort to get all of its eligible stakes graded. I would not be surprised. According to Todd Pletcher, he says the Kentucky Down Stakes program is one of the most lucrative in the country. And Todd's going to be down there, folks. He won the last year's Dueling Grounds Derby with Channel Cat, and we look forward to uh, trying it again, going for a three-peat in 2009. He won it with Social Paranoia. Now, you may recall that this track was originally called Dueling Grounds, and that ought to tip your hand a little bit. It really was a place where uh, Kentucky gentlemen would go, probably Tennessee gentlemen, because I believe it was uh, illegal to have a gun duel in Tennessee. So they would cross the border. We didn't have to go far and, uh, have those, uh, duels where you, I guess I want you to take 10 steps away from each other, turn around and shoot. I think that's how it goes. But, uh, anyhow, let's get back to some of that really good racing. We've got a lot of stories to cover, um, with Jonathan Littner, uh, but, uh, Hey, the San Anita Oaks, Wow, Swiss skydiver, stamped herself, absolutely is the favorite for the Kentucky Oaks. Uh, Talked to Kenny McPeak the day after the race, and he says she is all class. Another great find by Kenny, 35000 I know that's a lot for uh, Joe Sixpack, but when you're at those uh, Keeneland sales, that's a bargain basement, especially now that she's won over a half a million dollars, and is a three-time graded stakes winner. Uh, so uh, Swiss Skydiver, what can I say? Uh, it was very, very impressive in the Santa Anita Oaks. Uh, second was uh, Speech, who was the slight second favorite, Swiss Skydiver was the favorite, and third was a horse that uh, Riching liked a little bit, Mernith, who went off at two to one, a daughter of American Pharaoh. Uh, then we talked about the uh, Intercontinental seven furlongs on the turf at Belmont, and uh, Eric Wing and I both liked. Newspaper of record, the Irish bred, who won the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies Turf back in November of 18. Didn't win last year, but Chad Brown has got this Philly ready to roll again. She played Catch Me If You Can, and they couldn't do it. Regal Glory did her best, but uh, ended up for the second spot. Just in front of significant form. Also at Belmont uh, Park, uh, we uh, took a look at uh, the Fort Marcy. Now, that was on the inner turf. And the winner in there instilled regard, surprise, surprise, in the saddle, Irad Ortiz Jr., the, uh, the, the trainer was none other than Chad Brown. Uh, and uh, let's see as we round out some of the uh, some of the races from last week. Uh, it looks like uh, we're running out of time. We're not going to be able to get to them all. So let's go with Jonathan Littner after this break.
2: live the leader in internet talk radio voice and
3: they're off
2: what
4: stimulating talk it gets those synapses
0: in your brain firing really fast
2: all the time the number one internet talk station where your opinion counts voiceamerica.com
0: you're tuned in to winning ponies with your host john inglehart racing's regular guy the phone lines are open and are toll free one eight six six four seven two five seven eight eight, or send us an email at show at winningponies.com. john and our guests are looking forward to hearing from you have any tips or comments you'd like to share any questions we would be happy to answer contact us now back to the show winning ponies with john inglehart
1: well as i said uh Earlier in the show, this guy has got to be one of the busiest guys in racing because he is amazingly on top of everything that is happening all the time. Uh, horse Racing Nation, they call it the fan-powered horse racing community. And uh, the editor of that site is none other than Jonathan Lintner. And, Jonathan, thanks for joining us again. You made the mistake of saying, call me anytime, and I'm doing it.
5: And uh, I think the last time we talked, we were discussing what the Triple Crown was going to look like and who was going to participate in it. So it's good to have uh, a little more clarity at this point and look forward to diving into that a little bit more.
1: Well, let's do that because uh, for those that, uh, that, that pull up uh, horse racing nation, uh, the, I think the first thing they're going to see is you know a look at the Belmont Stakes and the undercard probables. Uh, as we know, this is there's a lot of moving pieces in here. Sad to say, we, we continue seeing horses uh, hit the sidelines. So just kind of paint the picture for us, if you would, where we were going and where we are now.
5: Well, I think we've gone from, since they announced that the Belmont will be run at a mile and an eighth around one turn on June 20th, which is a week from Saturday, I think we've gone from wondering how they were going to include all the interesting three year or interested three-year-old horses to, you know, who's even left. And that's just been by, uh, all these subtractions that you couldn't have anticipated. I mean, Bob Baffert has gone from having a completely loaded hand of three-year-olds. Suddenly Nadal injured, retired charlatan injured out of the Derby authentic loses his first race in the Santa Anita Derby. So Everything is sort of reset, and I think we're looking now at a prospective field of eight horses for the Belmont, and uh, I mean, I never would have thought you would see in the, the opening leg of the Triple Crown Series of any year an odds-on favorite, but it really looks like it's Tis the law and the rest of them, um, and that really being the development because of this week, uh, Maxfield suffered a similar injury to Nadal, a conjular fracture uh, I believe it was the left front. I think I think it was the same leg for both horses. It's just these these freak little things that happen. And, uh, yeah, so now we're, we're down to eight for that race. Um, kind of shows you the power of the Kentucky Derby. I think there's a few horses that could be in there, and they're saying, no, we want to wait for the Haskell and, and use that as our prep for the Derby. Um, I don't know. I thought there'd be more takers. It's a, You know, going the one turn, especially – um, you know, maybe some people would say we've got a, a speed horse. Let's see if it lasts. So it's just been, uh, it's sort of depressing to see what has happened to the field. And, you know, you just hope that it means we're still going to have a, a pretty good Kentucky Derby because of it.
1: Yeah. And, you know, as, uh, we've even discussed back then, uh, that how the, Derby was going to be ever changing because there were so more, more opportunities for horses to, to develop. We just didn't realize so many horses would, uh, w- would be getting sidelined be- because of it. Um, now, I know that they were announcing that they were going to put out the New York uh, stake schedule, but I, I don't think that's happened yet, has it? So we can find out where the Traverse sits.
5: So, there's, there's been no formal announcement about the Travers, uh, but I do talk pretty often with Jack Knowlton, who's the, the managing partner in Law and Sacatoga Stable. Uh, so, he was in on initially knowing that the Belmont was going to be a mile and an eighth uh, either June 20th or June 27th, so the following Saturday. Jack thinks the Travers is going to be the second Saturday in August, uh, which. Naira has every intention of letting him know because he'll probably be have the favorite in that race, uh, which would make <laughs> that a logical prep for the Derby. They want to run in that. They want to run in the Belmont and the Travers and then the Kentucky Derby and the Preakness. And then as all goes well, they would appear in the, the Breeders' Cup Classic. So this this group is game. It's It's good to see that they have a good three-year-old and they want to show up in all the spots because you can't necessarily say that about a lot of the owners out there these days
1: uh no no you can't and uh again we're talking with Jonathan uh Littner from Horse Racing Nation um I mean you've got to be exhausted what it's like for you to wake up every day and say okay what's going to surprise me today
5: (laughs) well the longer I do this fortunately uh, people start to tell you things instead of you having to ask them things so as you, you, you talk to more and more people in the industry, that's one of the positives. You know, when Maxfield, what was that, two days ago, uh, you wake up, a few minutes later, the Equibase notification pops in, okay, he's worked, and, you know, I know who to call at this point, how to go, everything okay, and, and pretty quickly we learned that that wasn't the case. Um, you know, apparently he breezed, and everything was fine, and as soon as the horse turned around, it, it was apparent that he was off. Um Luckily, they think it's not going to be a, a career-ending deal that he could come back at the end of this year, probably next year, given how conservative they've been with this horse. But just a, you know, you talk about a bad luck three-year-old that going into the Breeders' Cup Juvenile, you look back at the, the horses he was going to face, uh, I mean, he, he might have won that race in hand. Uh, I mean, it's just turned out that he did not face the whole, or he would not have faced a whole lot that day. And came back and reaffirmed his talent in the uh, the Matt Winstakes, most recently at Churchill Downs. So he, we've only seen him three times. He's obviously talented. Um, just just really unfortunate how this has panned out. And I guess it's kind of left us with a Belmont where it's you know, tis the law, and and we'll see if anybody can beat him. And you know, going that one turn, if he draws an outside post and and he can just kind of sit there, I, you know, they'll be hard pressed to beat him.
1: Yeah, they they really will. And I know that uh, I read the one quote that it was just nothing but positive as tis the law works for uh, the Belmont Stakes. And I guess right now, as you stated, uh, Maxfield's going to be out. And uh, what did you think about that announcement of of that brief um, meet that they're going to have at Keeneland? I think it's great.
5: It's good. Uh, it wasn't necessarily good for the because You talk about these moving parts, so yeah, I believe it was either earlier this week or last week. I don't, I don't know my days anymore. I think I've, I'm probably not alone in that. But
1: <laughs> I'm in that uh, club.
5: They said that, that Maxfield was going to skip the Belmont course, and they were going to go to the, the Bluegrass Stakes as a more conservative route. Well, as soon as they didn't have to beat Maxfield in the Bluegrass Stakes, you suddenly had Gouverneur Morris. Being rerouted there, so now Todd Pletcher has gone from three potential Belmont entries down to two. Um, it's just more spots to run. That, you know, it's just sort of the pros and cons of, of you know racing being off for a while, and then you have these few weeks where you know you had hundred thousand dollar stakes at Churchill Downs that were Grade Two, Grade Three quality uh, at their worst, and now everybody's kind of getting settled in. You almost have more races than you have horses, so be interesting how the rest of the summer pans out there's certainly no shortage of spots for people to go with a three-year-old and and the idea obviously being let's not lose uh that seems to just be sort of the mo of a lot of people is let's put them in a spot where they're not going to lose it's sort of um uh, the new school thinking but between that and and the ohio derby coming up later this month it's going to be an option that pays derby points there's just a lot of places for people to go
1: Yeah, I know. Uh, you, you know, the Ohio Derby's uh, June 27th. Then on the 4th of July, you got the Los Alamitos Derby. That's a Grade three with Derby points, even the Indiana Derby. They got to be happy over there. Uh, it's a Grade three. They picked up points. Of course, uh, the bluegrass is going to be a powerful one with a hundred points. Now I'm talking about just points for the winners. Obviously it breaks down to good points for second and third. And, uh, it only made sense for the Haskell to be a big race. Uh, that's July 18th, uh, 100 points to the winner there. And then out at Del Mar, you got the shared belief. And the Pegasus, uh, Monmouth Park is, is going to pick up 20. So there, there's going to be a lot to watch, especially as we get closer to the derby, Jonathan. Um, you, you know, those horses that are maybe on the cusp and, and hoping to get in to see which one of these spots they're going to pick to try to pick up just enough to get them in the gate.
5: Yeah, we you know we talk so much about Derby points, but I think the positioning of the Derby when it's usually on the first Saturday in May, and it's the first time they all come together. You know, the the West Coast horses, the New York horses, uh, the ones that were in Florida, and then obviously you got the, the Bluegrass in Kentucky where you you start to bring them all home a little bit. But you get a lot of brave people then, and and Derby fever, and everybody wants to be a part of it. And I I just wonder in the end if the points are even going to matter. You know, are you going to have the connections of 20 horses that even at that point want to take a shot at a mile and a quarter in the Derby. If the race, they don't have a full house. Um, if the normal theatrics aren't there, you know, are people going to catch the same Derby fever? So I, I see these Derby points races as being more processes of eliminations than they are really of awarding people points. I don't think you're going to finish fourth in the Ohio Derby, collect points and have too much hope going into <laughs> early fall. So, uh, you know maybe that means that it's just a different kind of race. um I think it's funny Churchill Downs. I guess they ordered their new twenty horse starting gate. I don't know if they'll need to use it. Um, we've talked about the travers being uh potentially on August eighth and running at a mile and a quarter so that for some horses and in the, in the Derby, it won't even be their first race of the distance, which is you know just another unique sort of factor of the race this year is a it's certainly interesting um. I, I don't know if we'll, it's going to be the same sort of race or have the same sort of excitement around it. I think it's just a year where we've got to make the best of everything and try to get back to normal in 2021.
1: Uh, that's a question I have for you. It, I know where I stand on it, um, but you know, I'm hearing some people going, you know, it's about time. We needed to change how the triple crown is run and we need it later in this season. Uh, Jonathan, Littner from horse racing nation. What, what, what are your feelings about it?
5: No, I mean, you can't ruin that. I mean, that's why people watch, right? Because it's, it's something that only a few horses can do, um, you know, to blame the fact that we've had few triple crown winners on the changing of the breed, um, you know, running fewer times, whether that's because of Lasix or because they don't want to go that far or they, they're too brittle, you know, it just shows you how much more special a horse is when it does win the Triple Crown, and it should be a special thing. It shouldn't be something that, you know, every year you go into the Belmont with a dominant horse, it's going to win the Triple Crown. I mean, that would, you know, you can definitely say that there was not as much buzz when Justify won the race as when American Pharoah won the race because it had just happened. So I'm I'm all for keeping the traditions of the, the five weeks and all those things. I think that's what makes it special. I think people are used to watching it. Um, it's a totally different audience. I, I mean, people who tune into those three races probably don't watch a horse race for the rest of the year. Um, that's racing's platform to try to convert a few of those people into your everyday fan, and uh, I think they need to continue with that series and that schedule and, and that platform for racing. I think it's good for the sport. Uh,
1: Jonathan, I, I'm sure you got to uh, observe the, uh, the Nata Derby Uh, which was the first time that these uh, three-year-olds stretched out to a mile and an eighth, and the odds on authentic and undefeated Bafford horse, we've seen enough of those over the years, um, was beaten by Honor AP, who just swept wide on the turn and swooped by authentic. Well, what was your impression of the uh, grade one uh, Senator Anita Derby? Because all I can say is Honor AP was he's big and he's good looking, he, he looks like tis the law. Well,
5: it was a little bit of a history lesson for me. So I'm I'm 29 going on 30, and as soon as that race ended, it was uh, just people saying APND all over again. And so I went back and watched his win in the San Anita Derby. He's got that same kind of low head carriage and just kind of a grinded out style that you know, the longer he's going to go, the better he's going to get, but I'm not going to discount authentic on that. Um, he lost that race at the break. You know, he, he had the outside post, which you'd think for a speed horse, is going to benefit him, but he just, he didn't get out of the gate. He kind of broke outwardly, ended up, I think three wide into the first turn and just never quite looked comfortable. Um, you know, he might be a need the lead type of horse and, and he might not want all of the mile and an eighth and, that's fine. I mean, I, you know, if you're not a Derby horse, it's not the end all, be all. But I think he's going to be something special, perhaps. Uh, you know, the Breeders' Cup Mile division or races like that. I, I think these ones that can get out and control the speed and just cruise and keep going. He, he's that kind of horse. And I think on our AP, just sort of exposed him as being one that wants to go a mile, a mile and a sixteenth. And on our AP, saying I'm I'm the classic distance horse, and the mile and an eighth is sort of when you separate them. Uh, I think a lot of trainers will say that. And I think that's just what we, we happen to see on Saturday.
1: Yeah. And, uh, of course, uh, Honorary P it's interesting. You went back and watched that cause he is a grandson of, of, of AP Indy. Well, uh, Jonathan, again, you know, you may not have heard me at the top of the show, but uh, I I do hype your website because uh, I I enjoy it so much. Sometimes I get, you know, two notices a day. It's not over the top where it's exaggerated. But when you guys come up with fresh news, uh, you you deliver it very, very well. I must say that. And uh, I'm just wondering how many hours a day and days a week do you work? Well, if I'm awake,
5: right? (laughs) Um, I always like to say it's like, you know, being an on-call doctor, you just don't make as much money. So uh, you're always on. You're always ready for something that's going to happen. You know, news doesn't uh, operate by your schedule. It it happens on its own. So you just got to be flexible. And uh, I would encourage, you know, if if you're not familiar with the site, we do have, I think, a really clean mobile app um i think that was a void in the industry as far as, as news so if you're on like the apple store or the the google play type of stuff if you look up Porsche, horse racing nation the app is pretty good if you want just racing news and like you said we do push alerts and things and won't uh won't be over the top with them you know just like one two three a day at the most so nah. i would encourage everybody to check that out
1: Jonathan, you're doing a great job. Uh, I think I know uh, I'm friends with your founding father, Brian Zipsy, and uh, you you have uh, taken the baton and run with it. I think you've done a great job, and I really thank you for joining us here on Winning Ponies this evening. I appreciate it. Thank you. All right. That was Jonathan Littner. We're going to take a little bit of a break here on Winning Ponies, and we come back. We're going to talk to a man I admire. As a matter of fact, that's his name, Ed Meyer.
2: The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com.
0: Now, back to the show, Winning Ponies with John Inglehart.
1: And with me the most popular guest that we have on this show, There's a lot of reasons for it, as I just told you. A man I admire. Mr. Ed Meyer, the former host of this show that passed me the baton a few years ago when he took a job that said no conflict of interest. But there's no conflicts of interest between me and Ed. How are you doing, my friend?
3: To be on Talking Horses with my very good friend.
1: Well, you uh, you're back in the saddle again, uh, as far as uh, your race calling duties. And as you know, uh, I was uh, very close to you over the years, uh, physically. <laughs> and- <laughs> <laughs> hey, this doesn't even sound good. Where's and- this going? <laughs> Well, people don't realize, we, we we worked in an office that was half the size of a prison cell. <laughs> you know, yes, it was. Apart, <laughs> feet apart from each other, and uh, before that, we worked in uh, an office the size of a prison cell, but we weren't very far from each other, and it was one of the joys of our life. I think uh, we attended the Academy Day Camp together uh, for a couple of years, but we'll get to the handicapping, but right now, Ed, put me in your announcer's booth Or put me in, when you pull up to the track and walk in, uh, what do you have to go through every day to get up to your COVID-free environment?
3: Well, first off, there's sadly plenty of parking. And when you see that, it it sounds like, well, gee whiz, you know, I'd like to park in the front row. Well, it's not all it is cracked up to be. You make your way in and you head into the jocks room and you... You kind of answer just a couple cursory questions, how are you feeling, Uh, had any sickness, anyone in your family feeling ill. They take your temperature with a scan right across your forehead, and you sign in, and you go to work. And you have to wear a mask at all times on the property, anywhere you're at, unless you're in your office with the door closed, of which, as you recall, the the announcer's roof is very small. But I shut the door and have a fan on, so we have positive circulation, and and uh, and I take my wait, mask wait, off wait, at wait, that sl- point. Wait, wait, wait,
1: slow down! Did you said the fan or the many fans?
3: Well, now we're just down to one <laughs> large fan now, and oh,
1: okay. uh, <laughs> you know they you they used actually to have had three a, of them going. <laughs>
3: I, well, you know, I think things were warm and, uh, you know, when you had two guys in there and in a, in a room that was smaller than the men's room, uh, you know, you had to have a couple fans going, uh, you know, to kind of keep it cool. But when I walk in, John, and I crank on the fan and I and I have my seat and I get my stuff ready for the day and make notes and I look out and I have to tell you, it's one of the happiest times, but yet saddest times I'm happy to be there. I'm happy to be at work. I'm happy to see our friends. I'm happy to see the people that we worked with for years. I'm sad when I see the horses come up. Once they come up, I'm happy again. But yet, when they're walking to the gate, you might see eight or ten people, a couple of grooms, maybe a trainer. You You are very limited on the amount of people that can actually be in the paddock area. The winner circle owners are are prohibited. It's that part for me is sad. Because to me the fans and, and our friends, the players, they've always been the best part of racing for me. To be able to talk the talk and shoot the gip about what's happening at the races was always so important to me and still is. But there's there's a happy sad time. It's it's a fifty fifty. But still in all, they, they, they have the opportunity to bet from home on their favorite ADW, whatever you choose. And people are actually wagering. They're supporting the Ohio product, which I know brings, uh, brings a smile to both of our faces that they actually are. But it's, it's a 50-50 proposition. I'm happy to be at work and I'm happy to be with friends, but it is a little sad once you see them go in the gate. You miss that, uh, that hooting and hollering and, and cheering down the stretch.
1: Well, I, I guess for ADW purposes, of course, uh, y- your voice is still in go- still going out through the grandstand, right?
3: Yes, yeah, it, it does, and there's some grooms out there. There's uh, there's folks at the starting gate. There's jockeys that will come out, and they'll, they'll stand very far apart. They're in the jocks room. They didn't have a mount to race. They, they like to hear what's going on just to get out in the sunshine and enjoy the weather. Yes, it still goes out. It's not nearly as loud, and which is which is only making sense. We don't want to spook the horses by any by any means, but uh, it goes out in full bias that uh, there, our video company, uh, International Sound, takes care of and and makes sure that the twin spires, the TVGs, the the express Bits of the world, and at all uh, that they they are able to take our sound and our signal, and it's just like being at the races.
1: Well, I, I penned a story the other day about someone you and I have known for many, many years, and I said uh, on any other occasion, this return to the winner's circle would have been greeted by a loud round of applause and the track announcer uh, gladly saying, ladies and gentlemen." Back in the winter circle again, after an 11-month hiatus, the all-time leading rider in Cincinnati, Scootin' Boot Perry Utes.
3: It was tremendous. Now, it was about July, August, late July, I believe, that Perry had his injury, and he hasn't really been back in the winter circle. He rode a few mounts at Churchill Downs. He'd been walking horses and uh, working horses out in the morning at Turfway Park later this winter. He was preparing. There was there was a project in mind for Perry Hughes, and uh, sitting in a rocking chair and looking at the stars was not one of them. He wanted to come <laughs> back, and when he drew off by daylight, John. I mean, I was so daggone excited. I mean, it was like, it was like the Kentucky Derby. And I sure hope that he felt the same. I could see his actions, his motions. He was moving like a 25-year-old guy. If you doubt this guy, I'll take your bets any day you want it. I was glad to see Perry make his way back to the winner's circle.
1: I know you and I had this conversation over the winter. We said, you know, I wouldn't be surprised because Perry said, I'm going out on my own. I'm not going to let an accident be the last time I ever rode a thoroughbred. Um, and did, did, did you think he, he might do a Frankie to Tory leap and say, that's it. I'm out of here. Uh, clap his hands like a stanza and walk back to the jocks room. Or did you figure nah, I feel good enough. I'm here to stay. It would have it would have
3: only made sense if he did. What a way then to go out. It's like Babe Ruth pointing to the center field and cranking it over. And Perry it's doing what he did best for so many years and decades, and over 7,000-plus winners and growing. And uh, the seventh all-time leading rider just rocking it. His agent said, Jamie Fowler said, uh, this winter when I was working at Turfway Park in the racing office, no way, he said Perry's way too much of a competitor. I still held that in the back of my head. Well, I've got to see it to believe it. Well, my friend, I'm a believer. He <laughs> had a shot at winning. He was a nose shy of winning two wins today. I believe he won two yesterday. Perry Eats is back in full swing. Go ahead and doubt him. I, I don't think – I'm going to steal a line from Petey Prentice, and, and he, he actually had, I believe, a tattoo, and I know he had shirts on it. Prove him wrong. And I believe Perry's keeping Petey Prentice's mantra of proving them wrong to this day and age, that Father Time is going to lose one round, and it's going to be to Perry This guy's going to ride for as long as he wants.
1: Uh, good news for us, bad news for Edgar Prado, who thought he was going <laughs> right on by. <laughs> <laughs>
3: it does and you know what uh, i he, he just looked over his shoulder and saw that little uh, guy from arkansas just coming right back in the winter circle again yeah i'd have to say that would put a lump in your throat
1: you, you know i love edgar prado i really do but it just it, it disappoints me ed that he gets all this national attention But he still hasn't caught Periutes, and now Periutes is continuing to move a half a length or a length ahead of him with every single win, and there's nothing mentioned in the national press.
3: You know it, it happens with the smaller tracks how many times Russell Bays rode in Northern California, now Russell was of a different of a different strata, but he didn't get the press that he would have received if he'd rode in Southern California. As I look to my right, I see a painting of Edgar Prado riding Barbaro, and in its painting it's a beautiful painting it's up on my wall, and it will never move as long uh, for many reasons because it, it just it just makes me feel good and it reminds me of uh, just a wonderful day. I don't think that he can, he can contend with Perry Perry's got so much energy he's ready, he's come back that time off not only allowed him to heal it allowed him to heal internally and I think his love for the sport is even rejuvenated like a young 22 year old guy that you know has really just lost his bug and he's ready to, ready to cross different paths I cannot wait for the rest of the summer because I think we're going to be saying Perry used his name quite a bit
1: yeah, and I was so glad his return ride was uh, for longtime supporter trainer Larry Smith and longtime owner Mike Jameson, all, all guys that have been you know, big fans of his over the years. And so th- th- that just made it a, a great, great family affair. Well, listen, uh, before I get my producer, Josh, all mad at me because I'm getting out late again, <laughs> which I do on a regular basis. Um, That's okay. You're to- consistent. consistently (laughs) late but you know me that's been the story of my life anyhow uh let's take a look at a couple of these races because i'm leaning on you ed uh you're one of my favorite cappers i know you you had a bad beat down in a pick four today that would have paid five four thousand five thousand dollars uh you got yeah beat by uh the size of my pinky finger and uh you you know what that represents. Um, yes. Anyhow. <laughs> yes, Let's was. go. <laughs> Let's go to a stake I wasn't expecting to pop up, and that's the commentator. It's $125,000. Now, this race is tomorrow. Normally, we talk about Saturday stakes, but this race is tomorrow at, at Belmont Park. Uh, 125000 on it, and it's a pretty evenly matched field. I did point out at the top of the show that uh, m- Mr. Buff was like, He's freakishly fast in the early going and uh, loves Belmont Park and won his last race by 20 links. That was at Aqueduct in February. But still, that's pretty damn impressive. Um, Bankett or Asmussen Ortiz. But that horse, he comes from another zip code. Uh, I know you were handicapping this race for me. Uh, Who rose to the top, brother?
3: You know, first off, when you mention Ortiz, now is it Jose Ortiz that you were speaking of, or were you referring to Irad? Irad. Irad has already etched his 2,000th win today. Jose knocked his 2,000th win in the books.
1: You are correct. I mean, sir. he's been
3: riding since uh, for eight years, John, and he's already a 2,000. Pretty incredible, huh?
1: Yeah, these these guys are something else.
3: But back to back to the uh, the commentator stakes. It's a mile. It's at Belmont Park, and it's for state press, John, I really like I really like a couple horses in here. But one that stood out to me, and and I think is probably going to catch you a little bit off guard is number four. And it's built a suit. Manny Franco for Chad Brown, and. The thing I really like about this is Manny Franco, when he rides route races, he wins a staggering 27% of the time, and an angle we both love is horses for courses. Built-to-suit is 9-2, to Franco for Chad Brown, two incredible guys that really know their craft, and Built-to-suit is 5-for-5 five five in the money at Belmont Park. I'm going to go with the horse for the course angle here, looking for three in a row, and if you get anywhere near 9-2, to wow, I, You know, I'd be pretty, pretty excited. But Mr. Buff looks great. I mean, winning by twenty last time out in the Haines Field—that's uh, that, that kind of hard to squabble with. But I'm going to try to—I'm going to try to actually get a little bit better price. I'm going to go with Bill to Soup, but I'm probably going to box up with
1: Buff. Okay, I certainly can argue argue with you there. Uh, you, as always, make a great point with uh, super detail. Now we're going to move to Saturday, probably the best race that'll be run on Saturday and um, we've only got a field of six uh, a point of honor Ollie's candy golden award seem to come to the top of the list
3: compact field. You're right. It's the grade one. Ogden Phipps are going to go a mile on the 16th, slated to go off at 536 Eastern Time. So you're going to have to do the math if you're on the left coast, John. But for me, it, this came out to be a straightaway exacta, An ice cold exacta. I love mm. the two point of honor. Javier Castellano for George Weaver, who's always done well with with runners in New York, and Javier Castellano, his resume speaks for itself. But coming from the Apple Blossom, the grade one Apple Blossom, and ran a – strong third place finish, six wide, it last away from the gate, uh, Drayton Van Dyke rode that day. Point of Honor actually gets my top billing, and every it seems like every runner that comes out of the, the really contentious Oakland meet is getting a lot of smoke at the windows, which means a lot of people are really sizzling and making wagers, but Point of Honor actually leaving the grade one apple blossom as my top pick. Underneath, I'm going to go with Pink Sands. Jose Ortiz mm. Six to one for Shug McGahey. I love the price. Shipping in from Gulfstream, been off for four months, got some solid workmen uh you know, bullet, or not bullet, but uh, solid works under her belt. It's a daughter of Tappet. McGehee is 5-for-5 five five in the money at Belmont in looking for her third straight in a win. So I, I really like this and stretching now from seven panels to a mile and the, the one-turn mile in the 16th, which is incredibly important because Jose Ortiz actually wins 18% with early-type runners and 19% with routers. I like drawing the golden rail there and looking for three in a row I'm going to go 2-1 as many times as I can push the button.
1: All right, Ed Meyer. Um, I've been, just as you say every day, two minutes, two minutes to post, Josh is telling me. The Louisville (laughs) in your home state, mile and a half marathon on the turf at Churchill. Who comes to the top for you, Ed?
3: Everybody in town is going to be betting Arklow, and, and it's probably some pretty smart money. Myself, I'm going to look for just a little bit better price. I'm going to take the 12 admission office Julian Lay Peru three to one for Brian Lynch, who's winning 33% of the meet. Admission office is two for two in the money at Churchill Downs. Second start off of a layoff. I think that last race was a prep for the son, a point of entry. It was a $75,000 non graded race where he had a nice little late punch and ran. Four that day john i think that mile and the 16th was just a setup for bigger and longer races to come and admission office has plenty of back class his dam has eight starters seven winners six of those are turf winners give me admission office all day long
1: Ooh, listen to this from ed meyer a three to one shot in a full field of 12 very interesting um I'm down to a minute to go, but I do find it interesting, just just a side comment, I'm not talking about the horses, to see Rafael Bejarano back in the Midwest.
3: Well, John, I, I believe uh, you were one of the first around the area that uh, actually saw him play his trade at a little track by the name of River Downs. He's no lemon is the four horse at 15 to 1. That's the bottom of my trifecta.
1: Really? I like that
3: Rafael Bejarano's around. Yes, sir. And I'm down to 30 seconds. Who's dust. in
1: the- Ed, who's in the middle of your try?
3: Arklow is going to be for second. I think the smart money is going to be at Arklow right in the middle there. But he's no lemon at 15 to 1, I think. Uh, kind of sweeten up my try if I can get it in there. Coming from Laurel at $150,000 race was a beaten favorite. Placed first to a disqualification that day. But that was a very nice prep going a mile and a half. Bayerana knows how to ride. He's 23% of the money on turfers, John. I see he's no lemon, Giving them some fits for minor awards. Who knows? He might even get up for second.
1: All right. Steady, Eddie. Ed Meyer, thanks so much for joining us. I know I'm going to get a chance to see you very soon, and I'm looking forward to that. Thanks for joining us on Winning Ponies.
3: My pleasure, John. Best of luck to all your listeners. Keep on playing. We're all in it together.
1: All right. Ed Meyer, Jonathan Littner, thanks for being with us. And I'm going to get out of here on time. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies